Guess who? And guess what? Footy Prime is launching a gin, and we're having a party to celebrate. Thursday, June 6th, join the whole FB crew for Footy Prime's one-night stand at Nickel Nine Distillery in Toronto. Come celebrate Footy Prime's one-ball gin with Nickel Nine Distillery mixologists on hand, Charmin's proper pies, meet-and-greet and photo ops with your favorite primers, and a live Atska's Almost Anything podcast. Footy Prime's one-night stand, June 6th at 7 p.m. till when we kick you out. Tickets at eventbrite.ca. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at OnePeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. You are now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast, hosted by Danny DiCchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Well, hello and welcome to Footy Prime, live here at BMO Field, following a monumental victory for Canada against the United States. 2-0, the final, the Canadians win. Sharman, Forrest, and DiCchio here, but also we're joined today, we're very, very thankful for this, John Fitzgerald, former Canadian international, former teammate at Craig Forrest, Ooh. and some guy called Alex Load Management McKechnie. <laughs> Raptors fans out there know who Alex is. Uh, he's the man that basically single-handedly brought the Raptors the championship last year. And is it six others with the, the Lakers, or was it five others? Oh, it's five others. Just five. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was, it was me. It was, you no. know, it's all about players. He's running out of I just have to be there. But Silver, it's okay. Let other people speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people don't know that Alex went back way, way longer. I mean, going back into soccer years ago, and obviously you're from Scotland, Alex, but you know, getting involved with the national team and the Gold Cup highlight of 2000, you were uh, sure. our therapist then, and uh, good memories as well. And then obviously you uh, went to, uh, wouldn't like to say bigger and better things, but you know, you know what? My, Neil, no, well, no, let no. me tell you though, Craig, my first year with the national team was 1976. Believe it or not, the Montreal Olympic uh, team was quick playing then. No, he was. Uh, he was. He was one of my patients. He was twelve years old. And I had one. I had one black hair. Anyway, maybe not. But but that was nineteen seventy six. Was my first year with the Canadian team. And actually, the first time I came back to Toronto, and we played at the Lamport Stadium. Believe it or not, right. yeah, back then, yeah. Well, the Lamport turf. The way oh, back. Was the great thing about Lamport is you'd be on one side of the pitch, yeah. and if you're on the bench. You can't see a person on the other side because of the slow. It's like the hybrid. Right. It's like the hybrid. Uh, yeah, the hybrid, the runoff. Yeah, the hybrid, yeah. hybrid bubble. And I like that because actually my coach would always say to me because I was a winger. He'd always tell me to go like, get your, get your, your your heels on the line. And the good thing is you couldn't, you couldn't see that far. And that part because you can't see where I am, being five foot eight. He's having a good game, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> you see them for half hour. Yeah. And me and John, we go back. We uh, go back a long way, right into the 80s, right? In the 87 
under 20 World Cup when we played yeah. together. I know you were a big part of that and uh, enjoyed playing the national team. Went on to play the, play the Canadian League. And, well, you know, in fact, also, I want to talk about John's last game, I believe, was it the same tournament as. So here's this thing. So, so all week we've been hearing that Canada cannot beat the States right. at soccer. It's been 34 years without a victory. And Craig's saying that's bullshit. We beat them. I beat them, Craig, right? But. No, not I, we. Okay, you and John. But. Yeah, we did, we did. What was the excuse used by the States to deny that record? They sent a B team, apparently. A B team with Lexi Lawless. No, they were a full team because of the same team. tournament Eric they had Mexico in the final and I, beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And absolutely. that counted as a, as a full cap. Now the national teams play against Martinique that aren't even. Well, I was on a team too, so it would have been a B team then as well. Maybe so that's maybe it was because I was playing. Maybe that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> what was the score of the game? The I think it was 1-0. I think Katzel, yeah. I was saying before John, we talked, I think it was Katzel's goal. Yeah. John Catliff. He definitely like, scored in that, and then he scored in the final against Mexico, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The North American Championship. And it was called the Corona Cup. Yeah, yeah. The sponsors, yeah. Test. yeah. It was yeah. three matches at Swan Garden, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. So all this, this marketing around this game just pissed you off all week, right? Pretty much? Well, um, you know, I mean, first of all, the result... Is going to make a big change as far as the perception of this national team. Um, it was a terrific game, a terrific result for the national team tonight. Great, now, great. Where does that put in, put in, in, in status in terms of rankings, for example? Well, this is this yeah. is it. Like a lot of people, I think that aren't familiar with this new system and how this ranking is going to come into play, including us, <laughs> have a hard time dealing. That if Canada gets in the top six as far as Concacaf ranking goes, they end up in they end up in the hex. In a group of six to qualify for the World Cup. Right. Top three qualify, and the other fourth place spot, I believe, would be playing against the winners of all the rest. So, 14 games Canada would have to play if they don't finish in the top six. And if they win all that, then they would have to play against the fourth place team finishing in that group of six. So, really important that Canada get in that six. Mm. Really important. So, results like tonight go a long way because of the weights against the national team in the U.S as opposed to beating up on other CONCACAF teams. This was a really important result. So are all CONCACAF teams uh, equal right now then? Or is like, for example, St. Lucia yeah. or something not part of this? No, they, they use the FIFA rankings, right, which don't make much sense. Yeah. You know, they're all weighted depending on who you're playing against. So And tournaments. So if you're playing in the Gold Cup, that would be heavier weight, which is ah, okay, okay, points, yeah. World Cup qualifiers, things like Well, that. this was the Gold Cup game tonight, though. So. No, it wasn't a Gold no. Cup, no. It's just a, a massive game. Nations League, yeah. Nations League, okay. yeah. But because it might be... Like okay. Well, they're, they're trying to make friendlies important, right? right. Doing weight on friendlies, which I think is working to a certain degree mm-hmm. uh, around the world, right? I mean, friendly games are pointless in the past. It's caused injuries, uh, players pulled out, coaches, you know, put pressure on players not to play in them, but this puts some weight behind them. Do you think it's actually working, Beach? I think in Europe, it's, it's definitely worked. In the last year, when we saw the final last year... Final four was played, I think it was in Portugal there, England were there, Portugal were there, Holland were there, and Switzerland. And the build up to that was good, the, the fans were into it, and I just don't know how they're going to do it here in CONCACAF. I know they're trying to build something similar, but for Canada to play the States and maybe like in Mexico in a round robin tournament like this Corona Cup, and you've got to try and feed the fans. That's, that's the biggest thing. And I, I've got to be honest, like some of the, the, the internationals that I've watched recently, I was watching Ireland versus Georgia the other day, and I was so bored out of my tits. It was <laughs> unbelievable. And I was like, this, 
this is international football. It was so negative. And I know there's stuff on the lines to try and qualify for the Euros and all that. But this was a great game to watch tonight. Yeah. Both teams kind of went at each other. Canada it was knew, chippy. It was chippy. It was chippy. It was a, the, the, I thought the referee was great tonight. Yeah. He let a lot of things go. He let some hard challenges play on. I thought there was a little bit of chemistry where you could say, okay, the US and Canada are starting to build this rivalry, which the fans want to see. Yeah. It's like the old days out with England, Scotland. They, yeah. they stopped them games, remember? Yeah. They were quality games. Back in the nations games, right? Interesting question here. So, like, I know the years I was with the national team, when I was with the, with the national team for all those years, we had a difficult time bringing players in for yeah. international games. Now, it appears to me now, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've aligned international breaks with the Canadian national program. That's got to be an asset. That's got to be a positive thing for yes. allow us to bring players in now that, that are playing in Europe without having a... Yeah, but there's having still a, pressure though from, from even now, I'm sure, more than past perhaps, but there's still pressure from club management. I was going to say, say that. Yeah, As a player, you go, for that, you, go, you go, let's say most Canadian players are probably not the top player at their club and you leave... To go back to Canada for a couple of weeks and somebody gets into your spot and you play, but that's and you're out of your, you're out of your. But that's my point. Well, my point though is, is it before it was never aligned with international breaks. Mm. But this game was obviously aligned. That's with, a good point. I this was aligned with the international breaks. Yes, FIFA Canada now. Right, that's yeah. my point. That's it. Has that made a difference? Yeah. That's got to have made a difference, surely, for for the Canadians. Because Stax, you would only roll in every once in a while when you're in training camp at the very end. For the big games. Well, it is. I mean, I think the biggest, the hardest part for Canada. Is getting players to stay and want to play for Canada as well. Um, luckily for us, Alfonso Davies wants to play for Canada, and he's been tied now because he's playing in the, in the World Cup. Something uh, that ties him to the national team, not just friendlies. Um, but in the past, we've lost people by not really wanting to play because maybe taking their career at club level more seriously. Right. Because that's the one that that's the that's the career that's paying the wages, that's paying right? wages, right? Yeah. So even the. Uh, Junior Hoyden, for instance, he wasn't with our national team. He got called up quite a few times. Time, yeah. He didn't. He must have taken a rowboat over because it took him long enough to get to the <laughs> national team until it was actually beneficial for him because his career at club level had maybe gone down a little bit. He wanted to put himself in a shop window. So there's reasons for that. But you want players to play for Canada. You want players to do that. And winning games and having a camaraderie and, a, and, a, and a get to the group of players that they have now. To have a will to want to do that, I think that builds that culture within the national team and then further down the road. We, we look at the celebrations at I the end of this game. So, I mean, it wasn't that they just beat the US. Like, John Herdman is massive on this brotherhood, building a brotherhood within the, the camp. And it's exactly what Canada needed. And you go back to what you're saying about Junior Boy, that not being too sure about representing the team. You've got Scott Yarfield, who I thought had an excellent game tonight. He bossed the midfield, who's coming all the way from England. By the way, I'm a Rangers fan, so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so I'm right there, there, he's, a, he's a, I'm a blue nose, so that's all good. It's been too. It's Burnley fan. Burnley, I'm a Rangers boy. It's been since the Raptors game on. Now uh, was it Monday? No, the whole crew. No, Sunday. Came down. Yeah, Sunday. You know that I, I brought the whole crew down to the, the Raptors game yeah. on on Sunday, which was kind of cool actually. They got a box. The whole crew came down, and, and uh, Silver goes. There's a Ranger in the house. The Rangers in the house. So Did he not bring you a Rangers jersey? Don't you worry about it. We're all. <laughs> well, he brought me a bottle. He, of, he brought me a bottle of a cow as well. That was even better. 
But again, I, I think like just seeing the celebrations and the togetherness, and even the camaraderie with the fans at the end. Yeah, we saw Fonzo Davis. Fonzo Davis. This window right here yeah. in the fans. What, fifty minutes after the signing game? signing autographs, giving giving yeah, the jersey to the young kids, to the to the new wave of, of younger Alfonso Davis, who might be immigrants to this country, who might be uh, Canadians born and bred here, but love football, soccer, and now they want to kind of emulate being Alfonso Davis one day. And and for me, that's a big thing that Canada needs to really jump on now. The CSA have to jump on this because yeah. it's a fantastic result. A good point. They need to build momentum. <laughs> yeah. They need more advertising, more promotion. Yeah, this game wasn't promoted enough. Right? I mean, 15,000 well, fans out there maybe? Maybe 15,000? Well, 17,000. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a good atmosphere though for 15,000. Those people, the Voyagers, did a great yeah. job. They were noisy, they were passionate, yeah. it's fantastic to watch. But TFC can play like you say, almost 30,000. Yeah, we yeah, but you know, to, be, to be frank with you, like, I'll tell you, like, not a lot of people knew there was going to be a game time. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Right? There's just the promotions, the advertising. Well, let me ask you this. You know, as a former player, you know, you've seen the game grow, progress, yet still Canada's men's team has a problem filling stadiums. Is it frustrating you as a former player? Actually, we used to fill stadiums all the time. We played against Greece, and there'd be Greeks everywhere. Like, honestly, we talk about that. Like, it used to when we played. Actually, we'd play varsity. There'd be twenty-one thousand people you there, and maybe a thousand Canadian people. I, actually, tonight, tonight, I actually said commented to, to face it tonight. This is one of the first times I've been in a Canadian game where we fill it with the home team. I agree. That's a really good point. And yeah. Really, because yeah. for years and years, there was no know, doubt. There was no doubt. There was a whole crowd. People were into it. And and we felt like the home team tonight. Maybe only 17,000, but we were the home team. But what will happen is if if we were playing against anybody else, it would be a mixture. If we were playing against Honduras, it would be 50-50. That bets. Yeah, at best. But remember, we're we're older now. So when we played, say, 20, my dad would have been 45 immigrants to the country. That's all he knew. And I yeah. think what's happened now is I'm a father now, and I, I'm not a father of any of these kids, but I could be that age where I played for my country, and I think there's more of this Canadian aspect as opposed to back when I played, there was you know, you had the, the Scots, the Italians, the Greeks, and they're segmented. So I think the fact now that we're grown up and we've been through a system a couple of times, I think in another 20 years from now, we're going to create special talent because the fan base is going to be more Canadian they're going to forget about those immigrant oh, yeah, I, I think you're right and I think we missed the point too and then we've seen the growth of the game and how yep. it has really been something even with Toronto FC and a lot of people thought that that would be a fail but then when work has been a slam dunk uh, it has been in Montreal and Vancouver as well very well supported teams and uh, but from the development side those MLS teams aren't developing Canadian players as we, we thought they would I think the Canadian Soccer League if that can Get some uh, grounding. Um, we'll, CBL. Or, sorry, the CBL will we'll do a really good job as far as developing players, too. This is getting an opportunity for kids. But you still need that that moment, right? That iconic moment to, to really bring in a new wealth of support. The women had it in London 2012. An enormous moment for that that program. The men's team need that still, right? Yeah. And tonight was great, but it's still a friendly, essentially. The States one up for it taking nothing away from the result but you need that moment to be in a hex where was Altidore you know what he's injured I've been fortunate enough to spend the last couple of uh, couple of days and even the last time they were in town 
with my good friend Greg Bay, who's who's a physiotherapist for the team. Him and I worked together, Greg, off and on for years. Yeah. And we, you know, we both worked for the national programs. He would work one one series, I'd work another. But he was telling me tonight and, and like today that that he said, without question, this is the most professional he's ever been around. You know, within the system, mm-hmm. and it, there's a real seriousness about it. It's not just like him and someone else. I like what well, back then it was myself and. And Kevin, you know, Kevin Muldoon, you know, just a couple of us there. Actually, we're calling, show, we're right? calling Greg Kevin today. Yeah, you know, and, and, but he said that they've taken a real serious approach to it. You know, the, the sports science approach, they've got, they've got analytics, they've got, they've got different disciplines there, from, you know, from the physiotherapists, the trainers, to, to chiropractors, to, to various different medical disciplines, you know, from my perspective, and, and applying that, that knowledge to the, to, to the program. That's a, that takes it to another level, and I think I think that's that's a really important point, and it was well taken. And I think you know I think moving forward from that, I think you got that, that's a very positive. And I think that's John Herman. I'll be honest with you. He's no, he was ta- my point being yeah. is that he was saying he said that John Herman has taken a very very serious approach to this, and he's taken it to another level yeah. in his years. There. Yeah. And that was you know it was a very strong comment. And I he did the same with the women's yeah. program. I mean, obviously with John moving from the women's program to the men's program, he's going to have that hanging When you take what, what they've put together there, like I say, it, it, again, I go back to, to my, you know, from a professional standpoint, from a personal standpoint, from a professional standpoint, you've got these players coming in from, and some of them coming from minor teams, relatively speaking, all Rangers, of a sudden, step, come on, <laughs> don't, don't wind them up like that. Stepping into a, a different level, uh, to a very professional level, that speaks volumes. You speak vice versa, right? You said yeah. the, you go from a professional club to Canada. So. Yeah. That's my and point. In many ways, maybe it's, it's shifted. That, that, no, no they shifted, but it's certainly on a path. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking Perfect. of being progressive, we're doing media right now, drinking beer. He's vaping. <laughs> what is this? What? <laughs> I didn't see him vaping. All I can say is thumbs up. <laughs> Dan won't produce this. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's not playing tomorrow. What are you doing? Brought to you by the beer company. Sponsor of Big Bag of Milk. Alex, I want to ask you, though, we mentioned about. The health of players and tra- traveling across the Atlantic to play games, Scotty Arfield. What what kind of drain is it on on a professional athlete nowadays with with modern flight? You know, does it really hurt? Is, well, is it know, tough? Let me tell you. Like, um, someone asked me just just yesterday. Actually, it said if you had an unlimited budget for a research project, what would you do? It was a great question. It was a, one of my young interns, quite frankly, asked me, and I thought about it. I thought, you know what? I said I would probably take spend all the money in sleep analysis. Really? Yeah, that, I think because for a lot of different reasons, you know, we talk about just the effect on players, but I'm talking just general health and gen, you know, it's not just like living in the NBA is a whole different world. We, you know, we we play 82 games in five and a half months. We play 15 to 16 times a month. Very little training. You know, in, in the end, the practices are limited at this point. We do everything pre-season, over the summer. All your, your gains are made over the summer. You get into the season, it's just a, it's a grind. And we're doing this within three time zones. 
We talk about load management with players. People think it's rest. It's not about that. It's about managing load. What does it? What does it really mean? And, and it comes in so many different forms. But, but, you know, to your question about how do you deal with this? You, you know, it's an incredibly difficult task and difficult process that we deal with every single day. And and our players, you know, you know, it it, it, it amazes me that they can come out every night and, and perform the way they perform. Like I say, in all these different time zones that we work in, you know, it's a different game in the sense that you're not playing, um, you're not running a hundred meters. You know, it's a ninety-five feet. You know, this, and, and again, remember, I came from football to the, you know, to the NBA. You know, but Alex, so I think the misconception of last year with you and low management was that like Kawhi would rest. Well, it's not about that. It's like just say, about working the load. Work, as I say, managing load. I'm, I mean, I can, I'll share you what I can share, but but. Certain, certain, you know, from an injury standpoint, certain injuries respond to load, and certain injuries respond to overload. You know, so, it, so it's about finding that that, you know, so a player is resting. It doesn't mean he's doing nothing. We still maintain a, try to sustain a level of of. of do some of, guys of flying work. seven hours over here? Okay, so getting back to what you're saying, so you know, a lot of stuff has come in. We look at a lot of the research stuff that's done is based on. On um, like football or Australian rules or the Australian model or the British model or the European model, you play one game per week. You're basically periodizing your program for one game coming in Saturday, so you want to perform on the Saturday. You know, when Saturday comes, well, you know what? It just doesn't work like that. You know, it's it's like three, four times a week that we have to do this, and you got to play in this. So really, our program is all about recovery. Right. So during the season, during the season, it's all about recovery. We use time. We use we use a lot of um, of um, sleep management. We use a company called Fatigue Science that analyzes all of our our travel. Then we look at the travel. How can we? What's the best time? When when should we leave a city? You know, we, we don't leave any stone unturned. You know, we try to address every possible aspect, and that's on me. You know, and I, I, from a personal standpoint, I have a, a terrific staff of of seven eight people. From from a, a physical therapist, massage therapist, trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, um, sports psychologists, um, um, or nutritionists, all fall under the one umbrella, and that umbrella is, is called health and performance, and that covers everything. We look at we at our facility here, right across the street here at, at the OVO Center. We have uh, every every single thing that we have is organic. Our chefs grow grow our vegetables. In the building, on the on the That's on great. the terrace. I mean, it's 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 quite it's like an amazing. It's but where's amazing. the fish and chips coming from? Lake Ontario. That's our next subject. Yeah, go yeah. Hey, I'm trying to keep it serious and go sideways. But anyway, but just just a simple example of what I'm talking about, though. So there's no stone on term. So and 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 I think that's what's happening. I can see it in the Canadian program. They're they're taking a very serious approach to it. I've met with them. I've had dinner with the guys a couple a couple of times now, and and uh, there's a real serious approach to to what they're doing. And I think that speaks volumes. I think that comes from the top down. It comes from the head coach. I think there's definitely um, a level of professionalism. For me, and funding. Well, funding is everything. I think too. You know, you have to have it. But but definitely, you still have to have the belief. You have to have the system. You have to put it in place, and you have to be committed. Did you work with uh, young, young players, yeah. young you know, potential professional players? 
how would you compare their uh, their lifestyle choices now, given the guidance given to when you were at QPR as a young kid, for example? I think the younger players know more now, and that's because there's more education out there. And, and going back to John Herdman and the national team, they've actually come into our academy and run a week session, ran a week session on how they prepare the full national team. So credit to them, they've gone into Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto FC and worked about U17s and U15s. And, and you're fine with that? Isn't it? No, it's an agreement that we've yeah. had to, to push through the program. And the, the younger players love it because they're, they're training and playing in front of the first team national stuff. And I agree with, with Al, they leave no stone unturned and it could be the smallest of detail. And watching John work and, and his staff work, there is everything that goes into the training session, uh, the sleep analysis, the food, nutrition, from having a woman kind of on board as like a, a mediator because some, some guys don't react well with, with guys all the time. They need a, a woman to kind of talk to, whether it be a mother figure or just someone with a little bit more of a feminine kind of side to say, we need one of those here. Maybe, yeah. Podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But again, going back to the younger players, they have so much more education now to tell them what's right. When myself and Craig and Fitzy played in the younger days, we didn't really have any education to say, this is a good meal that's going to help you perform the next day. Or this sleep was carnal. You know what, though, Dad, well, Danny, Danny. Also, we'd be begging Kevin Muldoon for a new pair of, like, uh, like uh, Copa Mundials, right? Just yeah, because yeah. one of the studs fell off. Right? <laughs> you know what? But historically, professional sports is reactive. Yes, and, I agree. And, and historically, a player gets hurt, you deal with it. But in today's world, it's 100% proactive. In, in, in our world and, and it's in football in general I've, I've been fortunate enough to have been around a little bit to see it and it's, there's a just movement you, you assess players players come in and you, you try to identify what we call their fingerprint their own personal fingerprint and build the programs out from there yeah. so, so you create a, prevent, a preventative program initially in order to and then you still treat injuries, obviously, but there's so much effort put into prevention. But there's more, in that case, responsibility put on the athlete, though. Surely. Yeah, but you, that's again, that's but my point is that you're creating this preventative care program, a right. proactive program. You make players responsible. Too, right? Do, would you have bought into that when you were like 21 years old? We wouldn't tell anybody about our injuries no. back then, honestly, right. because I don't want to lose really my spot. Is that still an issue? Um, no, I think. No, I think. There's, you know, certainly from an NBA standpoint, there's so much money involved that, yeah. that you know that 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 you, you know we get players like like you know, Kyle makes thirty million dollars a year. That, that's like forty four hundred thousand a game. It's you know, and, and you play fifteen times a month. It's a lot of money. So when a player's not playing, there's millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to 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 the ownership group. So it's about how how do we best make this this player put him in the it's my role to put my players in the best environment to succeed. Now, Al, it's coach's ask... role to put them in the best environment to succeed. And it's management's role to empower you to do that. Now, with this national team, you've got players coming from the same time zone, yeah. from six, seven hour time changes, right. sleep, sure. prepare, preparation. There was a muscle injury tonight as yeah. well. How would you go about sort of preparing players for, for that? Or even the fact that 
muscle injuries are part okay, of the arsenal. Okay, the next thing is what are they playing again? But they go back to their own club at this that point, is. right? And so the, the, that's a, that becomes a real challenge. And, and, and I think I think a lot of players, first of all, you, you, you're making the assumption a lot of the time that players are coming in healthy. You know, when you when you're calling a player in, and you and I know that was never the case. No, your room is full of guys that were injured. You know, for yeah. my years with you, I I, I was work, working there until you know until yeah, midnight before. By the time I got to Kevin Muldoon's room with him. It was empty. The Bacardi Cokes were gone, right? <laughs> but but uh, my point is is that you, you know one one makes the assumption that players are coming to you healthy, and it's not always the case. And then now they're going back to their own clubs, you, you know. So so we're, we're coming in tonight, and and first of all, um, I, again I deal with this it, it, like with with in a, in a different, similar but different. In the summer, for example, my players leave. And now, uh, you know, we have got Marcus Sauls going to the national team. We've got players that go to their national teams. Uh, I send one of my people. We communicate directly with the national program. My play, One of my staff goes right out there and meets with them. And this is our philosophy. This is the program that we're working on. And we want to maintain and sustain that program throughout the course of their time. So we try to maintain that constant commitment to, to players. So I think it, it behooves teams, for example... Who you know, uh, like European teams, if we get players coming here, they should be coming out and saying, "Hey, meeting with the, the training staff here, and committing to them and saying, listen, this is my player. It's not your player. It's my player, and this is what I want done.' And I think well, that's, that's how have, I would deal with it. That's a problem with the England players as well, because a couple of the English players playing in the World Cup, notably, I think it was the last World Cup with Rooney, all the European Championships. He got injured during the championship or a game where they didn't feel he was fully fit. And so the club kind of went back to him and said, he's our player. So now we're going to ask the national team, the federation sure. in England, to pay the insurance of what we feel he's worth or Correct. what games he's missing out on. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that as well. But going back to what Alex said, a lot of the football clubs now are in touch with the national teams. The national teams have constant dialogue with the players. Correct. Even our U17s that are away with the World Cup team uh, in Brazil at the moment preparing, we get uh, a daily report sent through saying how they've slept, how they've drunk, uh, how they've performed. So that's at U17 level. So I can't even think about what it is at the national team level now. But just one big question for you, Alex, and even for you guys. Do you think players now are softer than when you was in the game, say, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory way to the players nowadays. <laughs> you are funny. Yeah. I'm just saying, so you're answering our question. So, no, so going back to, like, the physio and trainers. And, yeah, and yeah. When, when, we, when I was younger, 14, 15, I didn't even know what a physio room was. I, I, I walk through the TFC Academy now, and I'm looking at 11-year-olds. Yeah, because you just injure everybody else, though. Yeah, true. But like, I'm you looking know what, at 11-year-old having a massage on yeah. the massage yeah. bed. What are you doing? Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's a great question. It's and and I'm telling you, because believe it or not, but I, just, I had this discussion today yeah. with my staff. You know, you know, and there's a great thing I say is you can't make the club in the tub. You know, as the, and, and I'll come in and I'll say it. And, you know, and, and it's like, we don't need you in here if you're not hurt. You know, so you got to identify the difference between injury and then just maintenance, right? And it's the maintenance thing that I flip over. So, yeah. and, and so we create that environment because, again, it's about 
putting your players in the best environment, so I make my players very aware of, you know, what what they're doing. Let me just backtrack a little bit because it's a really good question. There's a thing that I call the fingerprint. Each player comes in with a fingerprint, and it's it's not a static thing. It's a dynamic thing. It changes weekly, and it changes as players grow. You know, a player comes in at 190 pounds, and next, you know, three years later, he's 220. That that whole posture dynamic changes. changes. You know, so it changes. So you're constantly working at that all the time. It's not an injury, but it would, so it's not necessarily the treatment room. We have them in the weight room, in the conditioning room, in different places. You're only in the treatment room if you're hurt. Yeah. You know, so that's how we try to to work it out. You know. Does that make sense? I go back to QPR yeah. when I was young, yeah. just breaking into the team. So the treatment room, the head coach, made sure that it was cold as balls in there. Does he want to be in there? There was nothing, no towels or anything on the beds. The masseurs and the trainers did not speak to anyone. So you don't want to be there. So it, he purposely, purposefully made it. The worst place to be in. So you, your leg could be hanging off, and you're going in again. You're freezing. You know, freezing. Like freezing. Hey, at least the swelling went down. Have you been yeah. in any bad room where rooms great? Oh, plenty. Oh, plenty. What's that? Back in those days, Ipswich must have had a bad one. Yeah, we said with physio, just come in and just, just do a but little massage on you like that. Has an openness <laughs> changed though? Like you think about professional players these days, that there's a more openness to discuss. Things, but anything in general. You're right. You're Mental right. health, yeah. uh, injuries. Yeah. So players are more willing to say, you know what, something's not right. And I'm like, I go back to my point. It's like back when we played, like I wouldn't want anybody to know. I don't. When I was started replacing Carl Valentine, and I my ankle was like dodgy. I wouldn't tell anybody because you know what, I don't want. To, this like, is your I'm, chance. This is my chance. Yeah. I think that still exists. Sure. Yeah. It still exists. No, that, that still exists. I think. No, when you're a star. When you're a star, you're. I think there's a, a level of comfort that you're. You, that's your position, and we'll save it for you. Yeah. But, there's, there's one fact that you're missing here, and that's the agents. We didn't have agents because <laughs> <laughs> that's my point. That's my point. But agents control so much of this. This. You know. You know yeah. I get a player that gets hurt. The first thing you the person I speak to is the agent. Yeah. Of course, I mean, and it's part of the process. Is that basketball though, or is it? Do you think it's? I don't think that's one hundred percent football and everything else. I talk to the guys so they, all the time. They call you, or are you? No, it, the agents are, are they're an integral part of the process mm-hmm. because there's always a perception of us as an us and them, right? And so building that that trust with players is a difficult thing to do. And until you've done that over a period of time, and then you have that. With a group of players, then it becomes more of an accepted. When players come in, they, they know they can, you know, live within the environment. And, and but until you've done that, you, you know, you, you're you're dealing with um, so many moving parts. Like I say, a player gets hurt, and you know, you say, "Well, my agent wants me to go see somebody else." You know, that's almost a standard thing these days, right? You can't and you can't avoid it. You can't fight it. You know, do so, you encourage it or do you say, okay, go no, and see that person, no, make sure no. you come back? Do I encourage it? I actually, I'm the first guy to say, hey, you know what, let me call your agent. Okay. And so, and, now, and, as Craig can, can attest that I've been fortunate enough to be in, it, be in that third party for many, many years before I even went into the league, in the sense that, that I was the go-to person from a lot of agents when I developed some of the, 
the pelvic stuff over the years. So I got to know the agents very well. So in my position now, I'm very fortunate enough to know most of the agents within the league. There's the level of trust. So, so there's the level of trust that's there. So, but when a player gets hurt, there's no question, I connect the agents every time. Because the player will ask, are, are the agents going to connect with them? If he doesn't play, why isn't he playing? You know, was he hurt? What can we do? Do we need to go see somebody? So the key thing is, hey, you know what? The guy's down. Uh, it, it doesn't look too bad. I think it's this, this, or this. I'm going to do, we'll do a scan. We'll MRI it. We'll see what it looks like. And if things don't improve in the next 24 hours, we'll look, we'll look for a second opinion or whatever. So as long as you put that out there, yeah. right, you, you know, all of a sudden. Transparency. Yes. Yeah. And that's really, really important. What The last thing you want to do is try to cover or hide something for the player. Because it's not one. Remember, these contracts are guaranteed. Yeah, that's the point. You know, so you don't have to play. Yeah, yeah. So not all these guys are fighting for it. This is why. Yeah. This, this is, is why, Danny. If you're making four hundred thousand US a game, you yeah. might stay on that treatment match, even if it was cold. <laughs> some sacrifice. You know, certain circumstances. Yeah. Actually, Danny will <laughs> contribute some money. But you know what? Craig, 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 we'll Craig, that's an interesting point, though, because those players that shoulder that responsibility are quite interesting. They want to play. You know, like the Kobe, the Kobe Bryant of the world. You know, when I was with Kobe, he wanted to play every single night. When he and DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, those guys, they signed those contracts. They shoulder that responsibility. Yeah. Play every night. Yeah. You know, and KD uh, must have a good agent because he's like, out for a long time and he's still next. Still, yeah, I know exactly. Right? Got a year deal. Right? <laughs> Not going to play. Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah. So it's, on, it's a great on, question. It's a great question. But on terms yeah. of agents, it's interesting because uh, I'm going to go to basketball here for a second. Look at the Canadian team that just played. Sure. Right? You know that agents are making most of the decisions for players now. They don't, necessar- they don't necessarily want their player playing for the national team because there's no money for the agent. Risk of injury. Right? And they're like, you're better off like, you know, training hard this summer, getting yourself fit. There's risk of injury over there. So it's the sport's changing where a player, I don't think, has a lot of decision anymore. They don't have the ability to say, you know, this is what I, I want to do. I think the difference, too, I mean, basketball is national. The way that whole national system works is much different than football. Soccer, too. Different, yeah. And there's a, in soccer, there's a, a will and a want always to play. It doesn't matter who you're from, where you're from, who it is, you play for your national team. You're correct. Mm-hmm. You're correct there. Right now, so it's yeah, not quite the same. It's very, I, in my world, it, you're, it's very different. different. I think so, yeah. I mean, everyone wants to play for the national team, no question. But football is all about getting capped for the national team. It's a privilege. You know, it is. Yeah. And you, it's important And, and that, that spins itself out to more money and whatever else somewhere down the line. You're going to play for England? You're going to get, you know... All of a sudden, because the World Cup, like you want to play for your country because you want to compete in the biggest stage in the world, and unfortunately, basketball, the biggest stage in the world, is the The NBA. 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 Not, and that's why I think a lot of players go like, why, why am I going to play for Canada at the World Championship? The World Championship doesn't mean that. Look at the amount of U.S. players. But flashback, flashback to you know to what we're talking about earlier. You know, when you're talking about Craig, I mean, I can. A gold cup, a trip through the gold cup in two thousand. I, I was lucky enough to be with the Lakers to win five championships, and then, but the gold cup was like nothing. It was ever. It was ever. It was nothing like it. Greg. It's probably your best story. It was. It was unbelievable. I mean, we, we weren't expected to win anything. 
you know, the big fella here keeps standing on his lips and making a few saves here, and then we had a few drinks at the, uh, the hot tub. <laughs> 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 I, I, I was the delivery boy. I'd go out and get the stuff, right? <laughs> now, so yeah, come we're some few cars, we some be cars at night. We're stuck in this place in a the Radisson Inn in Culver City. We're, we're stuck in Radisson, Radisson in, Cul- in, in, Culver, in Culver City, in Culver City, on the 405. Remember that, That's right? True. I brought Shaq down. Remember, I brought yeah. Shaq down for he goes to photograph all the boys. Whoa, whoa, whoa! So let me just sorry, rewind here. So Gold yeah. Cup 2000. Yeah. Shaq is is an influence on the team. I, yes. I brought him down. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, like, this is amazing. Yeah. This stuff, like yeah, we hung fans want to hear this. Yeah, we hung out. Oh yeah, seriously. Shaq. I, oh, so so I was with the Lakers at the time Shaq too, right? Advice? And I was coming back. It was, it was just coincide. I was I was able to go with both teams at the same time. But but uh, so yeah, I brought Shaq over to a hotel, and they come in, and uh, I'll forget it. He walks into Kevin Muldoon's room. So Kevin's lying there on his wife front. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Almost jumps out the bed. Was he racing his ankles? Anyway, somebody was having a Bacardi Coke, I think. But, but anyway, it was it was a terrific day. He went through a bit of photographs in the back there, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. Amazing. He told me. Where Richmond Head and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And Holder, the Oceaga manager at the time, is like, comes over and wondering, what's just going on here? Yeah, that's oh, right. Just, uh, telling him where we should go and everything. He's like, yeah. no, no, no. no. <laughs> So, so I get tickets for the game, right? For for the Laker game, I get a whole bunch of tickets, the whole bit. We get a bus going. The forum. No, no, no. It was no. still no. It was Staples Center. Oh, yeah, Staples, yeah, it was Staples Center. And uh, uh, Staples Center. We uh, we finish up. Um, uh, it was Holger. He didn't want anybody to go, but he had to be there. Remember, he was front and center. He doesn't want anybody to go. He was up there, front and center at the table. God, he cannot go. So anyway, it was uh, we had a, it was a hell of a night. The whole crew come down and I, I, the whole crew. Yeah. Let me flash forward. I'll tell I'll tell you a good little story though. Yeah. Uh, Nick Dasovich. <laughs> Nick. So Nick is a good friend of us, all yeah, of us, right? So Dasso. So uh, one night, um, he was he was at him and Dale Mitchell. It was a youth team we were playing uh, in. They were training in California at the time, at, over at the uh, Home Depot Center. And uh, so I fly over to to Dasso. I said, "Well, yeah, come on, I'll get you a couple of tickets for the game." So Dasso. Dale Mitchell and Holger's son actually at the time was working on the team. So they came out and brought them front row. You're on front row. There, there, there's the like front row. Side, no, side. no, it's court side. And there's the front person row one behind it. Oh. The, uh, the, the, uh, not not Spitzy seat, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's oh, why I was asking. Yeah. Oh, that's why I was asking. I got no. jealous there. Was that, was that Charlieville? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, 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 it was, of course. It was yeah. behind the wall, right? <laughs> Real one hockey. Anyway, so I I, I speak to the uh, the, uh, uh, the, you know, the events manager of the whole thing. So the, the um, I see that guy over there. I said, pick him out at halftime. We've got a little, little show going. So, so they've had a, supposed to be a random draw. So random yeah, draw. Yeah. So they've had a few swallies going, having a couple of babies, right? So Dasso comes out. He's got to make three shots, a three-pointer, a layup, and a free throw, right? They're all sorts of like, different... Oh, he's got big prizes, yeah, and huge prizes. prizes. But he's got a few... He's, he's a bit wobbly. He's got a few... You know, he's got a little... <laughs> threw him a little wobbly. He comes in. Next thing you know, bang, he hits a three-pointer. Nothing but net. Unbelievable. He comes up... <laughs> Hits the free throw, right? Nothing but net. I'm thinking, what the shit? Comes in, misses the layup. 
That's because that of his touch. That's because of Castle's touch. That was the best. No, we'll anyway. We'll get Dazzo on this at some point. You get him on. You get him on. You'll tell me that story. I may have the sequence wrong, but for sure he hit the three pointer. But that's a true story. Anyway. And so the guys have been uh, for, for me it's been uh, football has been has been a really big part of my life obviously and basketball for the last 20 I've been 21 years now in the NBA and it's been it's been incredible and it's been I've been it, but this past year what I was saying earlier with the trip with with, the, with with Craig and that gold cup was without question it was magical we'll do a show at it some was point magical and it'll be it truly just was. The gold cup. oh absolutely so these two can chat too. It was yeah, magical. So it, was, it really yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Yeah. 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 I mean, a coming up, right? I mean, we saw. I mean, Hastings scores like goal in the quarterfinal. I mean, Maybe you were yeah. here for it, right? But it really was quite amazing because as, as, as soccer still struggling to find its niche here, even now in 2019. Back then, you don't yeah. imagine, right? So this this Canadian team with a bunch of no names plus Craig, basically, right? <laughs> it really was come in and, and, and they win this. They, they, they beat teams well. Who, who was it? Who was the penalty? Was it Valderrama in the final or was it Aspria? Aspria. Aspria, yeah. Takes yeah. a Aspria. penalty. He saves the penalty. And, and, no, I mean, Aspria. you were a like, I mean, was think about it. Craig, you have your big gloves on that game. You've seen Aspria. Played from Newcastle. Newcastle. We, we won a coin toss, too. Hold on, why were Colombia there, by the way? <laughs> well, very good question. Conquer Cap, right? They come from the South of Southern. They used to have invitational teams. Oh, Japan played in the once, right? South Korea. I think Japan played, yeah. But Korea, South Korea yeah. played in it, Colombia, Peru, Brazil, various of Was it South Korea you beat with Jordan Box? Winning that took us to the Confederation Cup. Nice. Right. Where yeah. was that? Japan. 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 I'm saying, so it was it was it was incredible. We beat Mexico. Sixty thousand people in in San Diego. Qualcomm Stadium. Stadium. Like I mean just like inundated with yeah. coming from Tijuana. From, you know, from the borders there, and and here we are. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I remember thinking about that. Oh, finally, you know, it was finally unbelievable. Games arrived. Finally, about time. We, we, we scored a golden goal, yeah. like the golden goal. Golden goal won it. Well, let's but, hope this next generation can do something because I think they got a special. But isn't it interesting that you go back just before my time? You look at Dale Mitchell, uh, Jerry Gray, those guys. Like we used to beat the U.S. all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember the USA beating us. No, like during youth. At no, least. They, they, it was when they did. Not under they, nineteen. They started they, to take it seriously back. In the, they got the sponsorship. The 30s, in. I remember that whole right. day. It was it was back in. Um, I tell you, it was, it was the, actually it was in the nineties when we were right before the ninety four yeah. World Cup. Remember, we were, I can remember Dolly was 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 the sponsor with with Umbro at that time. Yeah, and then they just done a deal with. Uh, they were trying to renew their deal with with. With Brazil and Nike did the deal with Brazil and with the US, and we were kind of left in the uh, in the dust, That's right. right? And it built their programs. I think that was yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah. Nineties. Big investment from Nike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they invested in their youth as well. Everything. The, the, the money was in yeah. for like ten years. It was a ten-year, two hundred million for ten years or something like that. Yeah. And it was just set the program. lead up to the World Cup. Remember, yeah. Budweiser came in St. Louis. They built the training oh, facilities. And all of a sudden, all the guys just became yeah. like great players. Well, they were paying them like a club team. Yeah, they're playing the players like yeah. a club team. But they were playing international games, but they were getting played like a club, like club players. Yeah, that's right. So a bit of money. So it takes, obviously. Wow. Well, well, like, a lot. Sport Australia have done it for years, right? The four Olympic yeah. Games and big events. They'll, they'll start 
throw money at their, their sports system. Well, we saw that with Canada in 2010 Olympics. Yeah, yeah. On the podium, yeah. Amazing yeah. coaching and giving opportunities, and we saw where that did. But this team, I mean, we're enjoying them right now. They're playing good brand of football. There's some, there's some, some talent in this team. Feature as a coach, do you see a team that can really grow and become something? When I say special, a team that could qualify for a World Cup, if not in 2022? Yes, yeah, you do. And because I'm, I'm new, okay, I'm 12 years in this country now, what really excites me about this group is that they have goals in them. They have an attacking abundance in them. Obviously, we speak about Alfonso Davis and Jonathan David, but they have a, a group of players that are willing to attack and can hurt teams. And my big worry about tonight was defensively how they were going to handle the U.S. Uh, attack. But I thought they handled them very, very well. I thought Boyan was, was very good in goal. Um, good with his feet. Don Craig wasn't too happy with some of his passes out the back. But I thought, like, I want to wait for I thought Victoria uh, and um, Cornelius. Cornelius done very well in the central pairing. I thought Liam Fraser come in and done a great job after losing in Mark A. But you saw on the counter with the pace of Alfonso and. and Jonathan David, even Junior Hollett coming on, and then um, Cavallini would come on and score a great goal. They have something that Canada hasn't had, I feel, in the last 10 to 15 years. And the rest, I don't, honestly, I don't remember Canada ever having this many options. Bring Davies off and you put yes. on a boiler. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, up front, up front. We've never had this. Never, had, had, never had this. Up front, at least. So, really, it's just structuring defensively, trying to figure out the balance to be able to make things right there because that's maybe. Are these players developing in the MLS system, or are they? What? So, Jonathan David was a player that grew up in Ottawa, and all the MLS clubs from Canada tried to get him into their academies. Uh, he was reluctant on going to, to um, Europe, and he went to Belgium, and it's worked out perfectly for him. I think it's probably the best move for him to him for him to progress. There's now clubs in England, Spain, uh, Germany looking at him for a big money move now. Junior Hoylet is another player that went over at a young age. Alfonso Davis, we all know about him. He started off in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, went to Vancouver for a couple of years and the residency and then progressed yeah. to the first team. So now he could be a good first bona fide superstar. Davis? Yeah. Yeah. He's got that in him. He's a Bayern Munich. Yeah. Doesn't look out of place at all. Something a little different about the kid. I was saying his fist tonight. I didn't realize how tall he was. He was yeah, he's got yeah, it's, it's really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you remember they were missing a Tiba tonight as well. Yeah, yeah Tiba was in it. Well, Tiba's, you know, he's Tiba actually said, "Well, in his thirties, like he's managing his look." Yeah, yeah. Right now, he's no, 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 a good player. Tiba's the best player we've ever had. He should be the star, but no one in Canada, nobody in the outside here. The team understands him, right? He's a very good player. Yeah, yeah. He's playing the Champions League. He's captain yeah. teams in the Champions, and it just goes right over his head in Canada's fans. He's the most, well, I've said before, one of the most disrespected athletes up in Canada because he's never got the respect. He's a very humble guy as well. Yeah, but people, when he played but, in the Champions League last year, um, the Lou Marshall Award was being voted on, and most people in that room, and they actually put his name forward and said, "Can we consider at least a team?" And nobody knew. And no one even gave him a second thought. No. No, he plays soccer. But is that his is that his issue or is that our media's issue? Really? Uh, it might be the media's issue, but it's always I'm, I'm part of the media. I know others in the media. We've always championed the team Hutchinson. Anyone outside the soccer fraternity, the 
mainstream sport fraternity who just dismiss soccer and they also have will never give them the respect they deserve. It's, it's criminal, it really is, because these people are winning the new martial world, not that they are. Yeah. Get a What's a team now? 34? No, six, 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 yeah. Playing in Turkey, that's a tough league to play in. He's still there. He's been in for a lot of years. Yeah. Who was your uh, Who was your man of the match tonight? Um, my uh, Alfonso. Alfonso, they well, the off-field was really I think, good. I think I'm going to go with my boy. You know, I'll say something interesting. It's not about a player. Actually, I was very interested in watching her been tonight, and I'll tell you why. I've never seen a coach hug players the way he does. And I think that is a very interesting thing because as a as a player, being me when I played, I loved the love. I didn't like the hard love, but I loved the love. And seeing him tonight interacting with fans, interacting with the players, I thought that special. I've never seen that before. I don't see it in Europe sometimes. But Jurgen Klopp, Klopp, yeah. Klopp, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. But it's a new thing. And the fact that he's out there hugging players as they come by, I think that's special. Mm-hmm. That's, I really that's, think that's, that's special. That's the big thing he talks about is the brotherhood, the, 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 uh, big symbol for them within their camp and their philosophy of building this cultural brotherhood that we're going to go over the line and battle for each other. And whether you're a staff member, admin, player, everyone's in it together with but then you're not special as a player. Yeah. Like you watch that, I'm like, I. That's, this is my first game watching Herdman coach, and just seeing that, just like turning around, interacting with fans, and just being like there, it, it, I think it means a lot to this player. That's an interesting thing. That's, that's like you special. can't do it's. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've seen coaches try to do it, and it's a little like weird. Like, like don't touch me. Like that's yeah, a little not, weird. Uh, but it was like he's he's genuine. yeah. Yeah, well, you're right, but that happens. You're, you're saying it doesn't just happen in the field. No, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's like it's, we have that with our group. It's, it's you know this whole thing we call family first, you know, and and, and that's um, if somebody's got a problem, you know, you want to go home, go home, you know, and so you know we, we you know and, and it, it comes from the top all the way down. You know, you fight for your your, your people and, and within the group, and I think that's everybody's treat. We, we went, we just went to Japan. You know, and the basketball staff, bring whoever you want. You know, we're in Japan for five days. And and uh, you can bring in mom and dad, you know, wife, kids. And we, we went, you know, we chartered 777, you know, with 500 people on it, right? Well, there's not that many people on it, but... Big time Charlie. 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 I'm just saying that, that, that yeah. you know, we're going here. It's not just us. It's, you know what? We're away for family. We're away for a lot, lot of long time. It's an opportunity. Yeah. It's not cost any more money. You're charging the plane anyway. Well, we right? had to go to just take we had to it, right? Sit in economy class, and we weren't, weren't allowed to take an extra bag. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, that's your first that's time. The, hey, well, that's Craig's first time in economy, though. But going back to that, I can't tell you how massive that is for us, the player of today's generation. That's yeah, my point. Though. That, no. yeah. 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 Like, we can talk about tactics, formations, how to train, how to prepare. But once that player knows he's in with a group, that not only see him as a fellow teammate, but huh. they, they see him as a brother. 
You want to show up, Danny. You want to show up. That's why I just won the championship. Jersey. We are at club level. We used to be more like that because I think the guys all, first of all, they're mostly English. They all came from the same culture and a culture of drinking as well. So that's good. But as far as the team camaraderie, it was pretty solid. It was pretty solid. Nowadays, especially with London, the internationals, like all the best countries, they go off and they're going home and different parts of London. It's not that team. Chemistry as you have with what right. is trying to build here, it's very yeah. It, 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 I think he's doing a good job. It's pretty. But see the players re- like fitting with your early point. point. Sorry, I just want to yep. finish with your your point about the players earlier. Like watching those players on the touchline, like you know, warming up, and they're not going to get in, and seeing how fucking excited they were mm-hmm. on the goals. When I played, there would be like this gel. Like honestly, those players in that corner going like, "Why the fuck am I not on the pitch?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so something different is going on in the game right now. And it could be that the players are all playing at a professional level and they're not, you know, playing for, you know, in, in Canada at some club level. But, I mean, I don't know what it is. I think probably with, with rotation being what it is nowadays at all levels, players are, everyone's used to being on the bench as well to a certain degree. Yeah. And being part of the collective, the group, you know. I may not be the starter, but I've got a role to play. Maybe I'm not playing on the pitch in the next couple of games, but I've got a role to play in. The, the ego's on How many MLS players playing tonight out there out with the Canadian team? Canada? I don't think I would say five. Five. The rest of European? For Canada. Yeah, yeah. same. The rest yeah. of European? Yeah. yeah. So five, was Henry, uh, that was never the case, was it? But the key thing going back to, to what Fitz is yeah. saying is if you get your star players, your elite players within the group on board with, with being part of that brotherhood, is playing sailing, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, but last year he was the pet to me for this guy is here not only for trying to win a championship but to help the other players around him. And he seemed like a humble guy, he seemed like he wanted to work. And he put his again, he look at look at uh, the beginning of the season and 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 the best barometers, and, and Alex won't talk about this, and I'm just a fan, so I can't. I watched Kyle Lowry change throughout yep, the year. At the beginning, it was like he lost his best friend, DeMar, and there's a new guy on the team. And it was like he wouldn't quite... And you saw the progression of Kyle with with Kawhi throughout the year, knowing, oh my Lord, I can, I can actually win a championship now. <laughs> and the buy-in from Kyle yeah, sure. with Kawhi, right? Remember, Kawhi wasn't playing, and Kyle didn't play for a while because of the injuries and stuff like that, but there was a sense that the relationship wasn't quite there. Yeah. And as the year went on, the clo- you could see the closeness of the players. Like, it's like Lowry matured as well. As yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, you know, it, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, I mean, Kawhi and I became obviously became you know very close over the, over the years, but I can tell you right now, he bought in 100%. And, I mean, we met, he played nine games in a year and a half. You know, and we, 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 we traded for him, and, and you know, Masai said, we, what do you think? You know, and I was, you know, yes or no, really, on, on how we're looking at this. And I said, it's, it's all go, but I mean, is he going to play the two games? Probably not. And I don't know how many he's going to play, but, this, yeah. you know, we just got to build the program and build it up. And he just bought in 100%. And that's on your point. Yeah. Start when you get, yeah. you're right. Yeah. When you, you, yeah. you get your guys around you but when the top guys are like there yeah. then 
everybody falls in line. You're going to get your followers. You know, and, and, and that's what happens, and, and, then, and then they just move forward with it. But it was, I mean, last year was incredible. From a personal standpoint, one of the most challenging years I've ever had professionally, and without question, one of the most rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible. They, they, earned, they earned that championship, right? You know, seeing that no well, one, again, no one win the You heard me talk about, about our Gold Cup, you know, when we didn't expect yeah. anything. I mean, my years with the Lakers, I was with Shaq and Kobe. You have to win. You know, you win it, it was like expected to win. You know, we had Shaq, Kobe, Robert Orr, Big Shot Rob, Derek Fisher. Der- you know, we were pretty good. Yeah. Then when Shaq left, we had we had uh, uh, Pau Gasol. You know, Gasol comes in with that, that group. We expect to win. Yeah, yeah. You know, last year... 2000 Gold Cup, team. It was 2018, the same 19 Raptors, one and the same, you know, and Craig yeah. was the Kawhi. There was. <laughs> and you know, you know what, I'm going to tell you right now. He had the you know claw. We can laugh. We Craig can laugh. had the claw. We can, no, no, by the, time we had him, by the time we had him, it was the mitt. <laughs> but, but I can tell you what, you're, right, you're absolutely right, because I'll say it right now, and he's my guy, but he stood on his lips. A hundred percent. We will do like pick up that MVP we'll show. and he deserves Jeez, it. I wish he could have done that against Brazil. What's that? No, you worry about it. He's <laughs> my guy. <laughs> this is why I bring Alex on. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, fellas, we're out next week. Was that? We can talk for a long time. We'll have a swally later. We could talk for a lot longer, and we'll get both you guys, Fitzy and Alex, on the show again if you like, because you've been absolutely brilliant. It's been completely off track. The the rundown that Dan and I put together so meticulously, you know, out. Out the fucking window, window. <laughs> um, but I'm glad it was because this yeah. is a good conversation, and uh, I think we got some good in-depth analysis on what it's like to be in the Canadian program, be it football or basketball. Yep. So, fellas, thank you so much. Uh, Canada win two nil, November the fifteenth, back in the states. We didn't beast entirely, and we will break that, da- that game down for you because um, we're flying out there, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a complete lie. Yeah. By the way, as I mentioned before, we are drinking beer today. Um, <laughs> if you want to sponsor this podcast, email Dan Wong at Dan at eggplantps.com. Dan's going to get a bunch of six packs sent to him. We will talk for beer. <laughs> All right, thanks, fellas. Lots of fun. Thank um, you. I check appreciate us out it. on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Uh, thanks once again to. Eggplant pictures and sound. Cheers for listening and watching. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.